We've all heard the term generation gap, but what about generation swap? What if we shift the gap narrative to one of honoring the value we offer each other in all stages of life? Not despite our generational differences, but because of them. Join our host, Professor Cindy Camp, as she pairs guests from unlikely places along life's journey, exploring the undeniable value we offer one another. You're listening to part one of a two-part show. Please tune in again next week to hear the conclusion. You can also go to GenerationSwap.com or listen wherever you get your podcasts. Here at Generation Swap, we recently paired students at Aquinas College in Grand Rapids, Michigan with mentors from the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, also called Ali, next door to the college, where people 50 and over take classes. There are over 100 Ali programs across the U.S., and while many of us tend to think that mentoring is mostly for the younger person, we found that mentors also gained valuable insights. I do believe there is a two-way exchange of values and information for both of us that we can apply to our life as we, we know it now. At the end of the semester, each student mentor pair did an interview where they talked about risk-taking, personal growth, hopes, fears, and more. Instead of recording these conversations face-to-face -face, as we had planned, we had to finish the semester from home during COVID-19. As you'll hear, the sound quality isn't always ideal, but the conversations are thought-provoking and deeply personal. Thank you for joining us for a very special podcast. You got to know each other as part of an Aquinas College class that paired each student with a mentor from the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute. What's the value of mentoring from your point of view? For me, it was just a chance to, to meet some younger people and to see what they're doing and, uh, and how I can help. So, James, you go ahead. So I think, I think what, uh, for me, um, working, with, working with mentors is a great way to um, gain life lessons from somebody who has done it all, has more experience. And, uh, you know, through, through the past few weeks and months, uh, talking to uh, Larry and getting to exchange um, what's, uh, what's going on with each other back and forth. I, I thought it was, I thought it was great to hear about life from somebody else's perspective uh, because um, our perspectives are probably going to be completely different. We're in two different stages of our life. I just think it's great to hear um, something from a different perspective. I mean, I'm a senior here, and uh, as as a senior, you know, I I've you know been around. But at, for the sophomores and freshmen, I think it, it's it's even more valuable because when I first came in, I didn't really understand college. I didn't know what was going on, and I think it would be you know, really helpful to have someone that I can reach out to that's an adult that's been through, you know, college and has been through life and understands and they can, you know, sympathize with me and give me advice while also just being, you know, a cheerleader for me. So I think this class is really great right now because uh, it's offered to freshmen and sophomores. And, you know, next year, I, I, I hope it's offered again and, you know, more like the younger students will take it. But I mean, as a senior, I still obviously get a lot of value out, out of it, too. It gives me hope, you know, when he talked about his his curve path of the different things he's done in his life, you know, it's kind of made me realize, you know, I don't need to, I don't obviously need to go on some straight path and find my passion or whatever, you know, some great job right out of college. I can 
I can differ from that. I can go have fun and, and, you know, travel and do other things instead of just going to find a job right now. You know, and, and I think I look back at mine and I said, you know, now that I've been through it, you don't always go out and find what you're looking for, but it's a process of eliminating the things that don't work for you. And it gets narrower and narrower. And finally, it helps. I thought mentor, I thought this class was really a unique premise, and I, I think that it has a great deal of value, um, not only for the mentee, but for the mentor, like myself. Um, I, I do believe there is a two-way exchange of values and information for both of us that we can apply to our life as we, we know it now. Um, so for me, what I got from this, um, from the mentoring and how I see it is the way of like the reciprocal um, life learning exchange. Um, when I got to meet Amber, um, meet Amber clicked instantly. <laughs> um, and so I think that going forward, um, just having that relationship and being able to um, reach out to Amber um, at any point with any question, whether it be um, an educational question or a life experience or life challenging that I was going through. Um, when I was asked to do it, I uh, was excited about it because I just retired from teaching last year and I miss my students. I miss being around young people and their attitudes and their energy and their enthusiasm. So I jumped right on it when I was asked to do it. And I think there's a real value in doing things across generations that um, when you're older, you end up hanging around with a lot of old people who are sick. <laughs> and it's nice to be with young people and get their perspective and their energy and what's happening in their world. So I, I, I think it's really a valuable experience. Well, I see mentoring as like, there's, you have another friend that you can lean on. There's some, you have another person to talk to. And especially because since I'm a freshman, like just coming into college, there's a lot of like new things. So having another person there who has like more wisdom and knowledge and then stories and are more experienced in the world is really cool. Just the opportunity to listen and learn about the different paths we can take from someone that's already kind of taken them. Yeah, well, first I'd like to say to Karen that I think you do have the skills to be a mentor. And just the fact that you started teaching, you loved it, but you still took the opportunity to see other career paths to be certain and like find yourself and then to end up teaching and like volunteering. I think that's amazing. Like you really show how you, you veered and you tried different paths, but in the end you always knew what you wanted to do, which was teaching. And I think that's really great. This is definitely something that was so new to me, especially someone who's technology savvy. I know it was really weird to have a mentor that I could call and talk to every day or I could email. I can speak for myself because I talked to other students about it, that some of the students, they never really had the guidance and they never, they, they never really believed in themselves that they could grow and learn. They can be good business young professionals. But you guys enabled us to do that and you enabled the whole class. And especially some of the more shy students, their mentors helped them grow. And it wasn't necessarily about how much money you're going to make or where you're going to go after college. This class literally opened up the door to so many kids just talking to, to business professionals and to talk to their mentors and to understand that they can be confident in themselves when they get out in the workforce. 
Well, thanks, Nick. We really appreciated and valued your contributions in class. And, and I agree with you. I think, uh, to me, mentoring is about building relationships. And relationships are so important in life. And a mentoring relationship is essentially, you know, that relationship building. It's priceless. It's that connection, that shared learned experience, that ability to help you maybe see something that uh, was cloudy, you know, from your perspective, from your lens, and so helping you to think about your values and your beliefs, and and it a mentor gives, you know, um, that sense of maybe direction, tips, advice, motivation, support. I mean, there's sometimes in our lives when we don't believe in ourselves, or we're like, oh, I don't think I can do this, or I don't know if I should apply for that position, or you know, maybe I'm not qualified and you need someone to say that I believe in you. I think you should go for it. Um, you know, John Maxwell said once that one of the greatest values of a mentor is the ability to see ahead um, that others cannot see and to help you navigate a course to your destiny. And, you know, of course, uh, there's always going to be those roadblocks or those hills along the way in, in life. But that's, I think, um, having someone there with you is really um, helpful. And I know, I mean, the first time I met you, I really appreciated just your enthusiasm. And I loved hearing you talk about, about your internship and the things that you did. Tell us about your life journey. Then I got married and I was an elementary school teacher in Columbus, Ohio. Um, then, uh, had kids and raised them. They were in high school and one day I, it just popped into my mind. I think I'll get an MBA. <laughs> so I took one course at a, at a time at night for five years and got it. Um, then I was, uh, well, actually before I got the MBA, I was doing a, little part-time um, work as a commodity broker in Naperville. Um, then I got the MBA. Then I, I got a job as a banker, which I absolutely hated. <laughs> it was so stressful. <laughs> you know how you come home and you think about what happened during the day and it keeps going around and around and around. And well, so that's what was happening to me. So I quit. Uh, then um, there were different circumstances. So um, we moved to Grand Rapids. Um, and then I, I went back to teaching. I guess I, I talked to somebody, one of, I can't remember, but she said, yeah, I got an MBA because I needed it for the family business. And we didn't, I didn't have a family business, but I thought, well, that's kind of cool because I've always wanted to know more about what business is all about. So um, I didn't beat any resistance. No, I, my husband um, was, was fine with it. And I just started taking classes at um, uh, Illinois Benedictine College, which is now called Benedictine University in Lyle, Illinois and just taking one at a time and just kept up. I do remember one time, this is kind of getting off the subject a little bit. I was taking a final and the final was terrible. And I was, when I get too much um, resistance, I get really down on myself and I, I was 
I just thought, I'm not going to make it through this. I'm just going to die. <laughs> this test is horrible. <laughs> and the guy next to me said, he poked me and he says, don't give up, never give up. <laughs> and he kind of jarred me back. And so I, fin you know, I finished, it was all fine. But I think that was, a, you know, I'm, I'm, there's certain people you're grateful for in life. He, he was great. I was grateful for him for me, yelling at me to keep going. And um, well, there's another experience too, but I'm kind of going off on a tangent about people in life that you, you think back and you think, wow, you know, I'm really grateful for that. Anyway, I don't know, I even know what the question was now. No, you know, what you're saying is reminding me of someone I heard lectured uh, last year who talked about how like Curious George and the man with the yellow hat who's always there to rescue him in the moment. Like and many of us have had those people in our lives who right. just were at that right moment to keep us moving forward mm -hmm. because yeah, it's hard. So many of these things that we attempt are, are big. And so it's great that, yeah, you can look back and think of the people who are there to keep you on the track and not let you give up. As far as my path, I mean, I'm pretty young, but I feel like I've done a lot and in that being mostly traveling. Like I've never really been afraid. The first time I traveled abroad was I was 13 years old and I missed my eighth grade graduation to go to Ireland. And I was like, all right, that makes sense. But the first time I traveled alone, I was 16 and I went to Brazil and I was there for a year. I studied abroad. It was great. And that kind of set a tone for my life to just kind of jump into things, but understand that like I have a home base in Grand Rapids and Kalamazoo where my family is. But um, yeah, my life path has basically been school and wherever I've decided to go, you know, wherever the plane ticket's cheap enough, if it's Iceland, Thailand, Brazil, Italy, wherever I feel like going. Yeah, I really admire that. Uh, that takes a lot of courage. And, um, I, you know, when I first heard that, I thought, that's unbelievable. She's <laughs> been traveling all these places. <laughs> and I've, I've gone to a lot of places too, but not that young. Julie and I are celebrating our 60th or 50th wedding anniversary soon, and we were supposed to be in France right now doing that. We're having a little a little trip to France uh, down the Rhone River, and then uh, for a week and a week in Provence to celebrate 50 years of. Julia says we've been happily married for 25 years and married for 50. But because I started out, uh, well, I grew up in the 50s, graduated from high school in '61. And that's when there was a big uh, focus on math and science. We were fighting with the Russians for preeminence in the, in the missile field. So there, I started out in engineering school because I'd always done fairly well in math and science courses. Started in engineering school and I did okay, did okay. I didn't find it very exciting. And I noticed that uh, my fr friends and roommates who were taking history and literature and politics classes we're doing things a lot more interesting than what things I was doing. So I, I shifted over to the lit school uh, and finished up in economics and history. And at that, at that point, uh, I was thinking, thinking about going to law school because that seemed to be kind of the logical direction which I was headed. But if you recall, back in the mid 60s, there was this event going on in Southeast Asia. And so if you were, I was telling James this, that if you were graduating He's graduating now in the middle of a pandemic. I was graduating when not otherwise unqualified. You're going to get drafted in the army. So I, I did a few things at that point to 
find uh, occupations that were exempt from the draft. And finally uh, decided oh, I really did want to go to law school. And my draft board said, no. Well, they said, yes, you can, but uh, we want you to work for us. For well, uh, looking back on it, it was probably the most interesting year of my life. We were, I was with the Army Headquarters Personnel, or not Personnel, but Information Office. And they were the journalism, the journalism group for the Army, the internal publications. And so I worked with a lot of, a lot of very bright, talented people. And we've still kept in touch today. We've, we've all sent emails around the last couple of weeks to make sure everybody's okay and see when we can get together again. We'll probably, uh, we had a 50th anniversary in Washington a couple of years ago. And now one of the guys that lives in the Boston area is trying to put together, put together a reunion for us to come out to Boston, but that's, that's probably going to be delayed for a couple of years because of the pandemic. So it was, it was a, yeah, it was, it was an exciting time, exciting. And it was, it was the focus of the news at that time. And I was right there in the middle of it. No. Well, but I, you know, what an interesting experience because back home, of course, there were protests, there were people who were avoiding the draft. Um, I'm sure your perspective being in the military was different, especially actually being in, in Vietnam. Um, anything else you want to say about that? It just sounds so well, fascinating. I, I was involved in the protest before I got drafted, so it didn't, it didn't change my perspective when I got out. You know, I just had just I just thought I had a little better perspective on things when I got out. I've been looking for jobs. I've been looking for opportunities. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to see what's going to happen in the near future. Being done with college is kind of, it's a, a bittersweet feeling, I guess, what a lot of people say. But I'm kind of ready to be done, you know, especially with all this uh, online learning. It's, it doesn't really suit me and it doesn't suit a lot of a lot of different class types and a lot of students. So, I mean, it's not the way I wanted to end college, but, uh, you know, I deal with it. A traditional student. I, I wasn't a good student. I, I, matter of fact, I was just thinking about it. I, I barely graduated from high school and um, went to college in Ohio. I grew up in Cleveland, went to Ohio University. And the only way I was able to get into college was the fact that at that time, I don't, maybe it's still that way. If you graduated from a high school in Ohio, a state university had to take you. And fortunately I got to college and um, did, I graduated, let's put it that way. There, there were no honors bestowed upon me. Um, the thing that really changed my life uh, uh, I graduated in 1967, and it was during the Vietnam era, and I joined the Marine Corps uh, right out of college, uh, went to the OCS program in Quantico, and that had the biggest impact on my life, uh, uh, growth-wise. Four years in college, I drank beer, you know, pretty much, that was... <laughs> my program. But the Marine Corps really woke me up to the fact that, you know, you, you have to stretch yourself. For instance, I, I was 23 years old in Vietnam, and you got 30 young people that you're responsible for. You know, that, that, you grow up pretty quick, or you have to, if you want to survive it. So 
Um, going back to what you were saying earlier, one of the little things I've been doing during this shutdown, I went to, uh, my parents saved all the mail that I'd sent them. And I, I hadn't looked at it. I haven't or hadn't looked at it for about 50 years. And I dug that stuff out and put it in order and read everything that I'd sent to them. And one of the letters I sent, I said to my, my uh, parents, I said, all of my contemporaries, all of my friends who weren't in the service had like a two, three year jump start on me. And, you know, I, I got back from, um, from when I got out of the service, I went to Europe with a couple of friends of mine for eight weeks and then came home and tried to find a job. And I was fortunate enough to find one uh, in sales. And that that's what I knew I was going to be doing all my life. I, I, um, I had a, a gentleman friend of my parents, uh, his name was Bob English, and he kind of took me under his wing and I, he, he wanted me to go to work for him selling screws and nuts and bolts and stuff like that, which I didn't do. But he, he really showed me uh, a life in sales, how it could be very profitable. And it turned out to be that way. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, yeah, single parent family home for first 10 years or so of my life. And um, <clears throat> grew up, you know, kind of with the support group of my small little family and that kind of meant everything to me. Um, kind of helps you learn a lot of things, kind of, you know, develop some skills that you may not have, kind of maybe miss out on some other ones. But then, I don't know, there was kind of a motivation shift because I, I always kind of struggled in school too, but then kind of starting high school, you know, my stepdad was around more and he started running his business out of the house and stuff like this. And kind of just seeing how things worked a little differently was something of tremendous value to me just because I could see like somebody who was so motivated and driven and things like that. So I didn't end up kind of really graduating high school at the, you know, peak of my academic career, we'll say. And then kind of going into college, that motivation kind of just like clicked and switched. And I was like, holy cow, like I've got this whole life ahead of me. You know, I actually have to like put some effort in here. So you know, I ended up kind of putting a little more work in college and then the kind of grades and GPA just kind of went up and up and up. But, you know, I, I don't necessarily think GPA and everything is of a ton of value just because, you know, a lot of kids can get a good grade on, you know, this, this and this. But it's it's about the experiences and things that you kind of learn throughout college. And I would say that I've had plenty of those. And so I think it's been really great that I ended up kind of deciding, especially Aquinas, to come and just see what I had to offer at first and then it turned into kind of the best place that I've ever been you know for quite a long period of time I guess you could say for four years so. when I uh, um, left the farm I was born and raised on the farm here in Michigan and my father gave me the opportunity or actually saw in me that uh, I wasn't fit or wasn't interested really in in the uh, career in agriculture and so uh, I was able to and he recognized this and sent me off to college. And so that just opened up all different types of uh, adventures for me. And I think what I wanted to do is I just wanted to be able to do something good. All right. So, I mean, my story, obviously, as you said earlier, I'm just in college. So I still have a lot to add on to my story. But 
I mean, I'm from Traverse City. I've worked in a couple different jobs throughout the past few summers, throughout high, the end of high school and early college. I've worked in a uh, banner company, rolling and packaging up banners onto trucks. And then I've also worked as a dishwasher in a restaurant and a busser in a restaurant and absolutely hated the dishwashing, but the busing wasn't that bad. And then I've also worked in the grocery store. So, I mean, within the short years, I've had an array of pretty bottom level jobs, but got myself out there and around there. While you're at different stages in life, you both take classes and are very much involved in learning and personal growth. What are you passionate about at this stage of your life? But now I think focus more attention on the four grandchildren I've got, and we're going tomorrow to open up, uh, open up our cottage for the summer. I'm hoping my granddaughters will go with me to get that started. And uh, the golf season starting, so I, I, I'm going to do a lot more, a lot more with my my family and with uh, some personal sports. But I will say involved in a couple of nonprofits, but. Uh, I'm kind of backing off on that now. Larry, just to follow up, how old are those granddaughters? Uh, the girls are they're eight and nine. Oh, and, and when you're up at the cottage, what do you get to do with them? Oh, they just they just turn loose. They'll they'll be down at the beach. They'll take the kayaks out. We were there. We've been there. Don't tell the governor that, but we've been there a couple times in the last uh, two weeks, and. It, the water temperature was probably 34, and they wanted to get the kayaks out immediately and go kayaking, uh, which they did. And then last week we were out there, and and somebody's pedal boat had washed up on our beach, so they decided to take that out. And they were they were literally up to their up to their waist in the water, and it didn't seem to bother them. Uh, so they will they will then go through the woods. Uh, they'll probably bring one or two of their dogs with them. They'll go through the woods. Uh, and help out with whatever projects I've got. Uh, they they get out there and they just fall back into their old routine. Kind of realized uh, my passion is right now at least my friends and family. You know, I haven't been able to see my friends in like month and a half, and my family. You know, my dad he's he's old and he's uh, immunocompromised, so I haven't really been going to see him and it's it's been tough and it's made me realize like what I care about in life and that's kind of my friends right now like I can have whatever job I want in the world but if I don't if I can't you know interact with my friends and my family I'm not going to be happy and that's kind of just it it sucked but uh, I'm just excited for it to be over but other than that I think I realized also that career-wise I just want to I want to help people and I'm not sure where I'm going to go with my career with that, but I want to, I want to do something meaningful where I can uh, see the impact of what I'm doing. You know, I don't want to just be another cog in some corporate machine or whatever, you know? <clears throat> and I just want to piggyback on that, Lucas, before I start, my first time I met Lucas, that, that passion came out, compassion came out so strong. I said that to you. You know, you've got a big dose of that. That's what take, uh, helping people is going to be part of your life. Uh, who knows what you're going to be doing, but that's going to be part of it. Well, for me, um, family and friends actually top the list at this point in my life. But the um, preservation of the environment, and I'm a, definitely a climate change advocate, and just making a difference 
um, with uh, social issues such as women's rights and um, social justice. Those are big on my list. Can I ask you just to expand on social justice? Is there a particular group you are involved with or a, a cause that you're especially concerned about? Well, I think it really hit home. My husband was an attorney and he worked for the Defender Association and um, Free Legal Aid when we first moved to Grand Rapids. And so he was um, very much involved in social justice back in those days. Um, but my daughter and I took a trip to Mississippi, which was put on by the Mississippi Center for Justice. And it was an amazing, eye-opening experience um, traveling through the countryside of Mississippi and seeing all of the areas um, that were hard hit by the Jim Crow laws and things like that. Because obviously lacrosse isn't going to last forever. Like, I'm not going to go play professional lacrosse. But I don't know. I'm passionate about finding what my next passion is going to be. My whole life, I've enjoyed learning and, and learning new things and growing. I think that's why I'm a part of the Osher Lifelong Learning. And as a teacher, went through all the workshops and conferences and things that I could. So, um, and... The other thing I guess I'm passionate about, of course, are my family and my friends and being able to have time to be with them. And uh, that always helps me to uh, grow, to be with other people. Mm -hmm. uh, the freedom to give back. And one of my big things that I find tremendous fulfillment in is volunteering, all the way from even working with Habitat for Humanity and then uh, maybe the Grand Rapids uh, Ballet or the uh, uh, St. Cecilia's Music Center, uh, the Literacy Center, those kinds of things. Just It's very, very rewarding. And then working with the, the people that actually you're giving back to is really, really become a big passion of mine. I'm just passionate about like the future, like what's going to happen next, just like growing in my personal and professional career and like connecting with people that could take me to the next stages and really taking this time and this age to meet people that can teach me more. I guess I'm passionate about trying to make sure that my kids are leading happy lives and know what they're doing and don't have major problems, which is very, very difficult because I don't have any control over it anymore. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I feel very happy in my life, so it doesn't seem like a problem here, but I worry about them. So that's basically what I'm passionate about. And also my father, uh, he's 93. He lives a mile north of here. So making sure that he's happy and um, well-fed and exercise. We walk with him every day and stay six feet apart. <laughs> so... I guess that my family is what I'm passionate about right now. Risk-taking is an important part of personal growth. What have you done recently that got you outside your comfort zone in order to try or learn something new? Like, you know, my first semester of college, I almost dropped out just because I hated it. I couldn't stand it. You know, I thought this it was going to be this amazing thing, like everything was going to click and fall into place. You know, so I almost hated it. I was like, you know, like, let me find something else to do and work for the family business, something like this. And they were like, 
No. First of all, you already went into debt for this first semester, so you might as well keep trying and go through it. But secondly, like, is this what you want to do? Like, you know, you want to, you don't want to get the degree and go into a field that you more likely like want to go into. And so I was like, fine, I'll keep doing it. I don't care. Like, you know, I'm just, you know, an 18 year old kid, like I'll, I'll do whatever. Fine. And I ended up kind of like, that was enough of a click. Like, is this what you want to do? Like, do you want to be stuck without that, you know, option or like this and this and this. So, you know, I ended up kind of, whether it be switching majors throughout college and, it all kind of worked out and I think I uh, picked the right thing for me. We'll see what kind of life has to give after that. I, I kept him in a foot locker for 50 years. And I, I told my wife, I said, you know, what? I, I, I should get this stuff out. I should take a look at it. So it, it, it was, there was events that happened that I don't remember them happening. It was like, for instance, I was in California going through track vehicle program, a six week class before going overseas. And we were in Camp Pendleton, just south of LA and north of uh, San Diego. And we'd gone up to a, a baseball game and Don Drysdale was pitching for the Yankees back then, or for the Dodgers. And he threw his fifth straight shutout. And we were so excited to be able to see that. But on the way back, we, we heard that Bobby Kennedy got shot that, that same night and, and subsequently killed. Reflecting back on some of that stuff, I, I guess I was a little nervous about it. But after I did it, uh, I'm glad I did. Uh, my wife wants to read all this stuff. Uh, our son, who, uh, who lives in France, he wants to read it. So it, it's, it's like a little memoir, you might say. Uh, and I, I, I didn't know my parents were saving these letters until I got home. And then I just, I guess I didn't want to deal with it. And then what, one good thing out of this quarantine is the fact that why not look at it, you know? So I'm glad I did. Really glad I did. Yeah, that's an amazing um, memory to think of being so excited about a, a game with Drysdale throwing a shutout and then yeah. to find out that Bobby Kennedy had been shot and killed. You made me think of my own um, reading some of my dad's letters that he wrote right after the Korean War when he was in the Army. And in one of those letters, he talked about uh, coming back to Chicago from where he was training and uh, riding with a couple of African-American guys. I think he probably called them, you know, Negro guys in the letter and how a couple of people he knew questioned that that was something he would do as a, a white guy in the, I guess it was the late 50s. And I think my dad loved all kinds of people. I think to him, it probably just felt like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm in training with these guys. We're all headed to Chicago. We're going to ride together. But I know in the tone of the letter, you could tell that it was something that was a little controversial and it was such a window into my father in a way I never so I, I think for you that you've saved those letters and you'd be willing to share them with, you know, your family is wonderful or that your parents saved them and you have them in that footlocker. Uh, you know, for me, uh, just doing this, <laughs> this is my first podcast. So that's exciting. Um, and with the coronavirus, I, I wanted to stay in touch. I live alone. I wanted to stay in touch with my friends and my family. So I got into Zoom and I set up all the Zoom meetings for all of us to get together. My book club still meets, my prayer group still meets all through Zoom. 
So uh, that's been a growth experience, <laughs> a risk for me, because I'm not techie. Uh, and several times I made some poofs and put things in that blocked people out, and I didn't mean to do that. So it's been a real learning process for me. Yeah, I studied human nutrition, and that was a really a, a very a far cry from the aerospace industry that I had been in. But I had a health issue back when I was about 35 years old, and I uh, I needed to address that. And uh, so that's what uh, projected me into uh, into that area. So, and and then I was able to actually create a PhD program in an area that I was very interested in, and that was the area of uh, movement and uh, and music. And so those are the uh, two areas that I uh, that I spent time then in my PhD. I think. Ali really fulfills a need in this town um, for people that are basically retired um, because not only are you picking subjects that you like, but you're also going there, you know, I'm talking about pre-COVID-19 and, you know, interacting with, with people, meeting new people and that camaraderie is very good. Um, I think that they're adaptable and now they're they're doing online classes. Some of them are live, and some of them you can just um, access anytime. Um, so I think that there would be a real um, disappointment in a lot of people if there was no Ollie. I think it's uh, it's a real blessing to have. And I had no idea when I moved here that I lived next door to it. It was funny because I kept running into Sister Aquinas and she kept saying, you should go to these classes in Ali. And I go, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and I didn't look into it. And it took me two years. I finally signed up and I was like, wow, this is great. <laughs> so anyway, I, I'm a real promoter of Ali. For it, You really need the time though. If you're working, most of the classes are during the day, so you have to really be, kind of be retired, but it's a great, great feature. And I learned that the biggest thing in life is personal growth, not necessarily in the sense that all you have to do is worry about yourself, but the sense that if you can make yourself the best person that you can be every single day, and if you're happy with yourself when you lay down your head on your pillow at nighttime, then the world is going to be a better place. And when the world's a better place, I can, I can enhance my learning. And when, when I can enhance my learning, I can be better for my family. I've never been to a job fair, so um, I wasn't expecting there to be that many people. Um, and I was, I was kind of nervous. I kind of, I, I didn't, I didn't make any plans on who to see or where to go. I just wanted to walk around and see who, who, who had opportunities and, Eventually, eventually, I had started talking to some smaller companies, um, and I um, I got the confidence to go talk to some other bigger companies um, instead of instead of just staying quiet and being like, oh, I didn't get anything from this. I went and talked to like Spectrum, Bell's Brewing. Um, uh, there was there was a whole whole bunch of different companies there, but. It was it was a challenge for me to get out of my to get out of my bubble and stop talking with, you know, the other kids around. Just go go and talk to like the recruiters and um, 
the uh, the people there who are taking the resumes. I was joking with James about this. I said, you know, I'm 76 years old. I don't get out of my comfort zone very often. <laughs> and, and I've been practicing law for, for practically the last 50 years. Uh, during which time you you learn to, uh, I, I shouldn't say bluff your way through, but you learn to deal with a lot of different situations. And in many cases, you are bluffing your way through it, acting as if you know what you're doing. Um, so I've, I, I've kind of developed those skills over the years. The only time I, the only risk taking I've done in the last uh, few months is whenever I have to try something new on the internet. And that's, that's always a challenge for me. Uh, yesterday I was trying to uh, communicate with the, our accountants about our tax return. And I thought I'd signed up for everything and it was, it was quite frustrating. So I, I think I'm going to avoid I'm going to avoid those kind of situations. And when it comes to the internet, I'm staying within my comfort zone. Before the virus and everything, I, I had a, a plane plane trip planned to, to visit Brazil, some of my friends, which I, I've never left the country before. So I was really looking forward to that. And now uh, I'm not sure if it's going to happen, but it's definitely a risk for me because uh, Portuguese, obviously, I, I, don't, I don't really speak it that much. So I'm kind of trying to still learn it before I get there. And then also, uh, I'm gonna go skydiving soon too. Once this thing is over, I had a. It was scheduled in the second uh, of June was when I was gonna go, but so it's certain now it's gotten pushed off. So I'm not sure when exactly it'll be, but yeah, I'm just trying to go out and experience new things in life right now, I guess. And leaving the country and traveling is definitely something I'm gonna be doing uh, the rest of this year, and hopefully, hopefully more years to come, which I'm excited for. But obviously. It it's, gives me a little anxiety, you know, going to new countries where you don't speak their language, I guess. I think that um, kind of just taking on more than I probably should have at a time. So, like, for, like, the last year or so, well, actually, I mean, I guess I've plowed snow for the last, this will be my fourth full year that just ended here. So throughout college, and, uh, you know, I had, like, internships at the time, too, so there'd be and full, you know, course load. So there'd be nights where I, you know, go out and plow snow, you know, 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night until six, seven, eight in the morning, uh, some days. And then, you know, okay, I've got class eight to four, you know, and then I got homework, then I got to go plow snow again. Then, you know, I've got nine to five internship, then I've got school or class or whatnot and, you know, things like that. And I, I think that it was definitely a risk. Um, but I think the opportunity cost kind of like weighs out any of the risk that was really there just because you know that helped me kind of pay for college you know that gave me a lot of things that i could learn about time management we will say that for sure kind of helped me with adaptability i'm you know like learning how to go without sleep for a couple days or a week or so or a lot of sleep rather made me love coffee so that's great um and i mean i just think i think it gave me so much um kind of it helps me see too that like once college is over you know like it doesn't necessarily have to be like that you're working so hard now so that for the future you know you can have something a little less strenuous or if you like it that much i guess even equally as strenuous so i definitely think the risk was worth it but it was definitely a risk my father was, uh, was in purchasing his whole career uh, a purchasing agent and he always kind of regretted 
in the latter stages of, of his working career that he had many of opportunities to go into sales, but he chose not to. Uh, he didn't want to take that that risk, I guess is the right word. Uh, you know, he grew up in the Depression. Uh, his father had a business that got wiped out, and his father never recovered. He was pretty bitter the rest of his life because of the way the, the cards were dealt to him. And I think that's what held my father back. Uh, one of the risks I did take in sales, um, I had a real good job with a, a bearing company uh, in, in Buffalo, New York. And I had got an opportunity to go on commission sales. And that's how we ended up in Grand Rapids. And I did commission sales for 32 years. And that was a risk. Now, fortunately, my wife has always worked and she always had a, a good job and all that sort of thing. But it, it, uh, looking back on it, that was the smartest thing I did because that's a self-motivator in itself. If you don't back the car out of the driveway Monday morning, I will not have food on the table on Thursday evening or whatever it might be. So uh, I, I always knew I was going to get into sales. I just knew it. I, I, maybe it's just my personality or my brother is in sales and uh, he's been very successful. So I, 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 you know, the old cliche, I always like people, you know, that, that that's a bunch of bunk, but uh, it, it's just something I, I was leaning towards, I guess, right from the get go. Cause I, I didn't have any other real specific skills in college. I remember taking accounting, Counting 101, and on Monday, and by Tuesday, I was totally confused, and it never clicked with me. So, I, sales was what it would have to have been. This winter, I had the opportunity to um, go paddle boarding, and I was—I I thought I really wanted to do it, but you know, I have old knees, and um, wasn't so sure that that was really what I should be doing. But I was reminded by a good friend of mine who said, reminded me of a quote from the Eleanor Roosevelt um, biography about challenging yourself every day to improve yourself. And when she said, make it an Eleanor moment, I decided to go ahead and do it. And I did. I got out on the board and I was out there for probably 10 minutes. I didn't get wet. I didn't master the art of paddleboarding, but I was really excited to know that I at least tried and um, I, I will pursue it again. But I do think taking the risk is, is important to try and to take the risk because that in itself is its reward. It's so nice, Sue, that you are now retired and you have more time to just enjoy things. Yeah, it's so true yeah, that I am experimenting with things that I never, you know, like painting, doing watercolors, uh, sewing, knitting, you know, just trying different things, um, playing card games and all that. Yeah, so that's fun to be able to do. And you were taking classes at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what what have you studied there? What have you taken so far? 
Oh my gosh, I've I've been there for about ten years now. So oh, oh I do the movie classes. We have a movie class that meets and then has pizza. <laughs> we have the Oscar preview class uh, that they discuss the movies. I've done a book club, uh, uh, kind of a heavy one on justice and uh, government issues, politics. I go to the politics class. I go to the history classes. I really have, I think that I just had dates when I was going through school and now I can see the connections between various things. And I love some of the science classes because I really never had much opportunity to study science. So it's been fun. Yeah, I think that's one of the things about having you as a mentor in our class is that you are modeling lifelong learning for the students and showing them. We use this phrase all the time, lifelong learning. But I think when they see people who are at your stage of life, in that second half of life, where you are now um, having more time to pursue things you're genuinely interested in, mm -hmm. and here you're taking classes, I think for our Aquinas students, that makes that, that idea so real for them of what lifelong learning really looks like. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's been one great benefit of having you in, involved in our class. I think it's really just been the networking events before all of this. Uh, just going to those places or those mock interviews and the personal branding seminars. And just like I done like the traveling side, but now I have to kind of be realistic and do the job side, which is way more difficult for me personally. So that's really been a risk is just going to events like by myself, because I think you get more out of it if you go by yourself, because you're focusing on the event rather than your friends. And so just like being more independent on the job front of things. Right offhand, I can't think of any time recently where I've pushed myself to do anything. Um, I guess I guess uh, I will be, though, because I said yes that I'd be the next Dolly board president. I have no idea what that entails. <laughs> so uh, that will be a new horizon, a new goal. And That's your trip out west, that was pretty risky. That was cool when you went, to the, when you went hiking. Oh, Zion National Park. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, my husband had a uh, meeting in Las Vegas, and I hate Las Vegas, so we did what we had to do there, and then we took off for Zion National Park and walked around, and that was fantastic. I'd go back there in a heartbeat. It was wonderful. Our thanks go out to our delightful group of mentors, John Benz, Amber Holst, Dave Campschulte, Sue Miller, Richard Chevalier, Larry Titley, and Karen Waterbury, and to our dedicated students, Nick Brzezinski, Colin DeVries, Kyle Gauthier, Suela Lang, Lucas Larson, Macy McGowan, Tyler Meyer, and James Swanton. Special thanks to co-instructor Dana Hebriard for also serving as a mentor. There are endless listening options out there. Thank you for tuning in to our unique podcasting space. It would mean so much if you would subscribe, rate, and review Generation Swap. You can also visit our website at generationswap.com. Our show is produced by Sean O'Milia. The technical manager is Cassie Benton. The marketing coordinator is Gwen Vogelzang. And our host is Cindy Camp. We're looking forward to swapping intergenerational stories with you again next week.